Welcome, travelers. I'm Josh. I'm Glenn. And I'm Lee Wanika. This is Tabletop Journeys, where we will be your humble guides along the journey to RPG adventures. Role-playing inspiration can come from anywhere, and we use our side quest to explore TV shows, movies, books, and other RPGs that influence our playstyle and storytelling. Whether we draw from intriguing plot points, amazing characters, or, well, you know, just kind of geek out about it, it should be a fun trip, and we're glad you came along for the ride. from today's sponsor lost in the woods come on honey let's go this way you don't know what to do i, I don't know where to look I, I just i don't know what to do you feel your sanity slowly strip away as you listen to one more children's song La, 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 no, la, 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 no, I can't. La, 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 I just can't take it. La, 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 I can't listen to it again. Look, Dad, it's fun time with Mr. Dave. What? Oh, you're right. Look, there it is. Oh, it's right there at funtimewithmrdave.com. I'm, I, I'm saved. I'm saved. Fun time with Mr. Dave. Saving parents' sanity since 2020. Welcome, everybody, to today's episode. On the heels of the Wizards of the Coast Ravenloft book coming out, and on the heels of one of our favorite behind-the-scene voices in geekdom, Dave Filoni, getting the big promotion this week, we are going to bring you a side quest all about the latest Star Wars series on the Disney Plus channel right now. We're going to be talking today about Clone Force 99, otherwise known as The Bad Batch. That's right. So we're going to be talking the Bad Batch today. We're going to be talking about the first four or five episodes in the season. We know that the season's like 16 episodes long or whatever. So we're going to be doing a big episode about it at the end of the year. But there have just been too many great things happening in this season so far uh, that we, uh, you know, we it, it kept coming up in all of our meetings uh, uh, leading up to this. And so we kept saying, yeah, yeah, we got to talk about the Bad Batch in like three months. Talk about it like four months. We keep pushing it out. And finally, it got to the point, Lewanika and I could not sit around any further and not talk about the Bad Batch. Got a lot of things to go ahead and, and talk about in relation to the show. So uh, let's go ahead and dive in. Lewanika, why don't you give us a start today? Star Wars, right? Who doesn't love it? I absolutely love it. I remember being a young child waiting in line to see the very first Star Wars. My mom, who brought me to Geekdom, had me in line to see the to see this movie. She knew it was going to be great. It's a month before I was born, by the way. Just toss that out there. Yeah. yeah. Thanks for making me feel <laughs> That said, I have, from the moment the credits rolled, I have been a Star Wars fan. Period, hands down. There have been things about Star Wars I wasn't necessarily pleased with the direction. Uh, looking at you, Christmas special. Uh, there, have been, there have been things that I appreciated, the gems and the nuggets of goodness, despite some of the challenges. Looking at you, Jar Jar Binks. Jar Jar Binks, Dark Lord, Dark Lord of the Sith, right? Yeah. People can say what they want about the prequels, but on whole, I enjoyed them. And I really liked Revenge of the Sith. And I'll, I'm just going to say that. Uh, I will own that, and I don't have any shame in that, right? I think that's me. Not everybody agrees with me, and they don't have to. But I, I enjoyed them. The, the first movie, I had more challenges with that than others, but it was slow. But again, it's a prequel. What do you want? It's not as good as the original. If it was as good as the original... They would have started there. So let's move forward. 
we get the Clone Wars as a as as a animated television show. What a great way to do yep. that! Great stuff from start to finish. All the episodes that I've seen, and I will be honest in this moment, I have not finished the entire Clone Wars <gasps> series. Oh. It was never on a channel that I either owned or had access to, so I couldn't watch it when it was on. And I have had so many things to watch of late that I've not been able to catch up. I actually went to look for it about three, four months ago. Couldn't find what channel it was on. All I'm able to find at this point is that is that magic final season, which I want to watch, but I'm missing the last two seasons of the original show, so I haven't watched it. That said, I come into Bad Batch with no preconceived notion. I have never seen these characters before the first That's episode. right. They're only in the last season of Clone Wars. That's right. So so for me, the Clone Wars was a was a COVID quarantine binge watch, right? Knowing that Clone Wars was about to end before the final season began, we started binge watching basically the Clone Wars so I could go ahead and get caught up before the final season began. And like we would watch three, four episodes at a time, you know, just sitting on the couch shooting the crap watching Clone Wars and it was amazing you know I think I think the Clone Wars uh, kind of it it started off like a kid's show but then it very quickly by about season three was like nope this this show's got teeth this show's for real and I, I will not I know how much you hate spoilers I will not spoil the last season and Anakin turns evil Okay, that spoiler I can't help, right? I mean, but but um, <laughs> honestly, the the last episode. So when we t- and this might be a whole a whole episode at some point, but when we talk about uh, finale episodes of a series, right? There are some standouts. There are some standouts for bad reasons, like I'm looking at you, Game of Thrones. But there are also standouts for good reasons, like Cheers, like Mash, Friends, Friends. You know, um, uh. You could also talk Seinfeld. about Seinfeld, right? You could also talk. What's the one that I'm thinking of? Um, with the Sam travel through time, Quantum, Quantum Leap. Leap, right? People, people like Quantum Leap's ending or don't like Quantum Leap's ending. There's I think no that that's a very there's a no in between on that, right? I'm a fan of it though. I I wouldn't want that to have ended any other way. I wouldn't have wanted it to end any other way. Exactly, right? Clone Wars the series is on that list for me, um, and it's it's because like we know what's happening. We even see it start to happen throughout. I mean, throughout that entire series. I mean, it's like when he gets into the the Force land with the you know with the with the the epitome of the light side of the Force and the dark side of the Force and how he's pulled in both directions and all these sorts of things, right? And we during the last season we see it start. We see it move. Yeah. You know? Just the darkening of Anakin's clothing throughout mm-hmm. the season. I believe it shades darker towards the end yeah. than it was in the opening yeah. season. The final the final episode of the Clone Wars, the animated series, is is worthy. It's on that list. It's like, um, I don't know if you watched The Good Place, but The Good Place also had like that final episode that was like, nope, this is exactly the way that this series needs to end, and it's paying, uh, it's paying homage, and it's paying good service to the time that we have spent watching this show. Clone Wars is on that list, so there are things about the final season which are good and are bad, and so once you've watched it, we'll talk about it more, but uh, if, yeah, that's right. You have not seen any of the Bad Batch, and so these are brand new characters for you. Right, and that's one of the things that I think was interesting when we first started uh, discussions about going into this. I knew... I have not seen the final season yet, and I knew that's where these characters had come from. I read trades. I understand. I try yep. to avoid yep. spoilers, but I knew that their appearance, their first appearance, and but that opening sequence in that in the first episode of this series, I knew for anybody who had seen them in the previous episode, this was the thing that was singing to them and revisiting. Uh, it was taking those fans home with these characters and it brought them in and showed their personality in a very similar way to when we talk about comic book movies i've got this deep history of comic books uh this is where i'm going to lean on josh we're going to reverse roles today right i'm going to lean on josh (laughs) to give me the deep history for the stuff i may not know or understand but i'm going to tell you i unless i miss my guess and i won't know till i watch the final season or until our audience tells me you were spot on or you were way off the opening sequence of this episode and everything I got and all the ideas I got about these characters was a perfect introduction to the characters as they were in season seven or the final season. Like this was, this was a, that opening sequence was showing us they were there. 
And as a person who may not have finished Clone Wars, but did watch every single episode of Rebels, the opening sequence of this show gave me all the feels. Yeah, absolutely. Like seeing young Caleb Dune in this moment as Order 66 is being given, spoiler alert, we're going to talk some stuff here. Wow. Like, we saw it in Revenge of the Sith. We've heard it in other things. You see it in Clone Wars, too. I mean, you see... In, we see in the- it. This was yet another vantage point on this issue, and you got to see the anguish in their eyes, and you got to see that moment. This is a crossover done so well. They crossed over two series in one moment. Yeah. One, two series and a movie in one epic moment. Yeah. And we learned everything we needed to know about every main character in this cast. And wow, it was brilliant. Yeah. I loved it. So let me talk a little bit then about the background of how the Bad Batch came in. And I'm not going to, in, in Clone Wars, I'm not going to belabor the point because it's, you know, uh, it's been out for, you know, a couple of years now. So, you know, watch it, right? Um, no, spoilers are going to happen, but we're not going to belabor it. But basically, they come in as just another clone unit. They they get involved with Anakin and with Cody, and if I remember correctly, Rex is involved also. It's basically like the three of them uh, kind of working together when they are introduced to the Bad Batch. Um, and the Bad Batch are presented really as, you know, anti-heroes isn't the right word because I wouldn't call them necessarily heroic, but basically they are presented as a group of, of clones that will do anything that are uh, a little rough around the edges are brutal uh and basically everything that at this point you know cody is trying to go ahead and be better he's trying to be more he's trying to not be just like your regular ordinary clone you know and he's and now he's faced with these with these with with with, uh with clone troop 99 with clone force 99 who are kind of the antithesis of what he does right he they are like i said they're they're particularly brutal they are they are they make snap decisions they are um they go in guns blazing every single time because they believe that the the best way to get through any particular situation is by a show of extreme force because at least whatever is in your way will be neutralized by the time you get i'm not saying that's wrong that's kind of their attitude it's a different approach, right? It's a, it's a different <laughs> it's a different approach, <laughs> and that's the problem too. Is that they are exceptionally effective, right? That's the you know, and and this is this. Thank you for that lead-in because this is what we're going to be talking about today when we talk about the Bad Batch. We're going to be talking about why they, as a unit, work so well together. What are the roles that this party has that really sum up how to work together as a team and even as a team within a team? What are the what are the divisions that you can go ahead and put together to go ahead and make sure that your team is functioning properly, right? Um, and we are we're gonna we're gonna be talking a little bit about how Crossfire figures into this too. Even though by this point in the series, Crossfire has gone rogues rogue, right, and, and has you know uh, has has left the Bad Batch because now he's continuing to work with the Imperials uh, because it seems like his inhibitor chip is not malfunctioning like the rest of the Bad Batch's inhibitor chips are. So that that's also the conceit about the Bad Batch is that they're defective clones and everybody knows that they're defective and it's be and they were basically thrown on the scrappy because their inhibitor chips are broken, right? And they don't necessarily follow orders to the letter like every other clone does. Because of how effective they are, that is overlooked and they are sent into special situations. But once Order 66 is called, the problem is that they look at that and say, you know, we're getting this strange order. We don't really understand it. We're not going to follow it. And now all the other clones are acting weird. So we need to go figure out what's going on. And they, they have that sort of insight because they are air quotes defective, right? And so it really kind of puts it puts this interesting spin on on the clones. It's like they know that the order's coming in and they know that they're being compelled to follow it, but they're also broken so they don't follow it. <laughs> it's it's they kind of it, it kind of has this this reverse to it. So yeah, so that's what we're going to be talking about today. We're going to be talking about how their roles break out and how 
how they function as a team together to go ahead and, and, and be most effective. And I think that from the very beginning, in the very first episode, we see how that effectiveness comes about. There's a scene in particular that I'm thinking about where most of them are involved in sort of like hand-to-hand combat. The tank of the party, right, is is beginning to, uh, you know, he's doing his job where he is capturing, uh, he's capturing aggro from everybody else that they're facing, um, and they're starting to go ahead and... And, uh, and move in there, and then you've got you've got Hunter who's kind of picking people off on the side, right? And they're kind of in ba- engaged in this hand-to-hand combat, uh, and then all of a sudden, sniper bolts start shooting from the distance, and you realize that Crosshair is there about 500 yards away, crouched in the grass, firing into <laughs> firing into melee, right? Um, which you're never supposed to go ahead and do, but he's the one that's now adding adding kind of heavy distance support to the party as a whole. So it's that sort of that sort of interaction that I think they're showing and they're showing very, very well in the show. I love this cast of characters in this team. I mean, look, it, to me, it calls to mind great movies past, great teams of past. This is some weird amalgamation of the Dirty Dozen, Seven Samurai, uh, Magnificent Seven. Yeah. You know, I, I'm thinking of all these teams. I'm thinking the unit for those who watch one of my absolute favorite CBS shows of the of the early aughts. You know, this is all of those things. These are these guys who have this ridiculously specific skill set that fill very specific roles in this team that are this crack unit. At the, at the game table, at the D&D table, I love this type of thing. I have run in many different game products, whether it be Rifts, whether it be D&D, 3rd Edition, 4th Edition. I, I actually run a stealth investigation version of it currently in 5e off and on. I love putting together a crack team of military specialists to handle the missions that the regular military cannot do or will not do or can't be seen to do. There's always going to be narrative weight when you have heroes or characters doing the things that the regular people won't do or can't know. I love that about this show. It speaks to everything I love as a storyteller, all the things I love as a viewer, and all the things I love as a player. I love playing these types of characters. I've played every type of character on this team at least once, oh, yeah. if not 14 times. And I'll play different different roles at different times because I love them all. I think they're great. I'm going to throw out my own prediction. My prediction is they figure out a way to fix the problem, i.e. break the chip with Crosshair. So by season two, he's back with the team. Mm, interesting. Uh, I mean, that's entirely possible that, that somehow Crosshair triple crosses the Imperials. Although I guess I guess he never really defected like the other four did. He kind of like stayed the line and kind of kept with his you know good troops follow orders or good, good soldiers follow orders kind of uh, kind of a uh, uh, bit and everything like that. Um, but you're absolutely right. Like this party is not this is not a unique party, especially in the realm of sci-fi. I mean, if you Look, it's pretty easy to draw parallels directly to even like Star Trek the Next Generation, right? So, you know, I mean, you know, you've got Tech who is who is data, you've got Wrecker, who's kind of a character of Worf, right? Yeah. See, I thought uh I thought Tech was Geordi. Echo was data. Oh well, yeah, I can see that because I mean, Echo is an android, so I suppose, or uh, he, he is a cyborg, so I suppose, I suppose that's true. Yeah. Although I, the reason why I said tech would be would be data is because he is so he's so like genius level like and has the lack of social skills, you know. Right. His demeanor is more data. I, it, when we talk roles, we talk about how you can take a role and then an aspect of it and put in other things or mi- mix and match. I think Echo and Tech kind of flip-flop a little bit here and yeah, there. Yeah, between Jordy and Data. No, that makes sense. By episode four, I would definitely agree that Tech has Data's attitude, his expression. Yeah. But I think as a party role, because he's the one who's fixing the ship, he's the one who's finding most of these great solutions. I find that to be more of a Jordy thing than a Data thing, certainly through the first half of Star Trek Next Generation. Yeah. The latter half, when they really started doubling down on Data's the man, and clearly by the end, and certainly by the movies, even Riker got sidelined a little bit in favor of Data. They clearly moved Data to the forefront. 
So in that aspect, I can certainly see the parallels there. Yep. Yeah, and I think, so, I mean, you bring up Riker. I think it's pretty clear that Hunter, as the kind of the leader of this group, so he's not Picard. Def- he's he's definitely much mm-hmm. more, he's definitely much more Riker than Picard, uh, I think. Uh, he's just got to learn to cock his leg up a little bit. <laughs> exactly. If, they show, him sw- if he, they show him step off a chair, swinging the leg back, then I'm in. Then I'm in. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, by the way, is a shout out to Marcus Bromby over, uh, over the pond over at uh, What Culture or Star Trek, by the way. <laughs> he loves that. That's his favorite bit, and I think it's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> that is funny. Back to your point. This is not a this is not a party that we have never seen. This is a party that we have seen in various permutations. Um and we can kind of we can kind of trade people back and forth um between kind of what is you know, who is who is kind of fitting which role. Okay, so uh, so like I said, we're going to go ahead and talk a little bit about how uh, how these characters fit into this roles list that we're building, and and uh, we actually haven't put out this episode yet, but we have an entire episode with Glenn talking about kind of the roles in the party that need to be filled, uh, kind of from sort of a mechanical point of view. What are kind of the things that you need them to be able to do, and then more of a social role. How do they fit into how the party is perceived and how they navigate through the fictional world that they're working in? And so, uh, so I think without a doubt, let's start with kind of the mechanical roles first. I think without a doubt, Wrecker is clearly the tank of the party. There's not much that not much. Uh, and, and in fact, even again, he's got he's got. We keep talking about the this mythical barbarian with the intelligence of four that's going to appear in the Candlekeep actual play at some point, right? Wrecker is that barbarian, and we all love him for it. But he very much is the the point and shoot turn him towards the, the direction of the people that you want to have taken out and just let him go, right? Um, and so that that's very much his role, right? Um, and then we're talking about the mobility, mobility operator, kind of your rogie type role. Um, I find it interesting here. Uh, you wrote Hunter down for the mobility role. Um, talk to me about where you see, what you see there. So I think of Hunter as a, a classic uh, 3.5 ranger. I, he, he's the tracker. He's got those skills. He's also clearly the leader. He's the planner. He's the he's the take action. Here's here's how we go. Pardon the phrase. This is the way. Party leader. He's the action star of this show. He's the one that's got the angst. He's broken up and he's dealing with the whole. I've left a man behind. No, the rest of the party's like he he betrayed us and they're ready to like do what they gotta do. They may have some feelings if they're questioned, but Hunter's wearing crosshairs, not joining them on his sleeve, pretty clearly for the audience to see. Yep. And uh his caring for Omega once he found out that she is more than just someone, she's actually one of the defective clones herself. It is clear that he has this this interesting thing. Like, we haven't got to the social piece yet. He could easily have slipped into the caretaker, den mother, father role as well, but I clearly put him in the planner phase because at least up to episode four, that's primarily what we're seeing. I would also say that as far as record, he could also slip into that caretaker, den, den, den mother, den father <laughs> totally, role, uh, like, 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 like from the Looney Tunes, like, 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 uh, like the the big monster that likes Bug Bunny from the Looney Tunes commercial, like you know, yeah, sure, I'm like, gonna he, hug him, exactly. I'm gonna love him, <laughs> and I'm gonna call yeah. him. Sure, sure, like technically he's a caretaker too, sure, but. <laughs> Sorry about your spy. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you got another one of those. You know, yeah. But again, we're looking at this this show up to episode four. We might adjust some things by the time we get to episode 16 uh, because we'll look at it on the whole where they are. But one of the things we're going to talk about in that future episode is your social roles will change throughout the course of the campaign. Where you start is not necessarily where you end. So that is important to know. But I really think of him as... Uh, a mobility uh, kind of person, an operator. Yep. And it just goes to show you your leader can come from anywhere yep. and he can be in anything. It's more about his skill set. And I think Hunter's skill set clearly lands in the mobility operator field. Yeah. And I actually think that that's part of the conflict between Crosshair and Hunter, honestly, is not only because of the inhibitor chip playing with their brains in different ways, but it also seems pretty clear from the beginning that Crosshair thinks he should be running this team. And he is, mm-hmm. he is not afraid to give Hunter a hard time if he feels like Hunter's making the wrong decisions. So 
I'm gonna go all high highbrow theorycraft mm, writing one oh one and go with the go with some trope talk here. And I use that phrase uh, because it, it's very well explained in like a thirty minute video on the Trope Talks YouTube video. So, you know, they are, one, all of them are brilliant. They have greatly helped my writing to identify the things you want to use, don't want to use, how you want to show things, how you want to do things differently than tropes and when you want to bring them in. There's a phrase for what Hunter is in in, in, in the narrative sense in this show, and it's called The Lancer. If anybody's a fan of Voltron, they actually named the character Lancer. He is the one who is arguably the second in command, thinks he should be first in command, and largely will admit, begrudgingly admit he's not as good as the leader. Yeah. Sorry, you, you mean you mean Crosshair's the Lancer, not Hunter. Yeah, yeah, I'm sorry, Crosshair is, 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 is the Lancer. And interestingly enough, that's exceptionally well done in the latest Voltron series. It was fairly well done in the original Voltron series, brilliantly done in Battle of the Planets, where they have one. I would say in just about... Uh, uh, in the third G.I. Joe animated movie where you had Falcon and Duke and they were complete fighting, basically fighting each other, uh, older brother versus younger brother, you had Falcon being the Lancer to Duke. But then when Duke was gone, he had to step up and become the guy. That This is a big trope. It's everywhere. And like Josh said, there's nothing we're not seeing before. It is being done slightly differently. So having the Lancer leave under these circumstances hasn't been done that I know of before. Like, it's not often you see the Lancer not part of the team. Maybe you'll see him, he's part of the team for season one, he leaves during season two, and he comes back in season three as the big bad. That happens all the time. This is different. They did that in one episode. Yep. And brilliantly telegraphed. Like, I knew from the moment Order 66 was given, that's going to be a problem. We all saw it. All in one moment are trope was turned on its head yet fully supported all in one moment uh and brilliantly done in a way that was very satisfying and remains satisfying where they could go any way they want to go with this and it would all make sense yep it would all make sense he could come back to the team he could stay away from the team and it would all make sense that's called great writing folks that's called a great show. Totally. Um, and uh, I am going to go ahead and quibble a little bit with you calling Hunter the planner. I, I guess maybe it's more that the party has more than one planner in it. Um, and that, you know, I think even Hunter with his kind of, he's got that dual nature where he's got like half of his face is tattooed and half of it's not and everything like that. I think that Hunter winds up being the de facto face of the party, uh, but he's also, he definitely plays into that caretaker role also. But the planner of the party is, uh, has, has always been tech. Tech is always the one that kind of comes up with how to, you know, they'll get the mission and tech is the one that says, nope, here's how we have to go ahead and do it. Um, and so he's kind of this odd mix of planner and healer, which is a really interesting, uh, which is a really interesting dynamic because I'm not sure that we've ever seen that before. Who else would, I, I, I can't think of another healer planner out there, but tech is definitely, you know, because of his advanced mental capacities and because he's the one that's fixing everybody up, that's just kind of the role that he falls into. So I can see that. And I could, when we were discussing this, I mentioned the fact that we did not pick leader as a social role because anybody can be a leader at any time or under any circumstance. So I would be willing to say Hunter as the face. As the face. Yep. And again, it's more because as the sergeant of the party, he's the one that's always speaking up, right? Um, yep. You know, and, and, you know, and uh, you know, it. I guess really, it's it's just as simple as that. Actually, every time that every time that some, that the party has to do something, he's the one that's speaking up. And then, so if we keep going through here, what about Echo? Where do you see Echo sliding in? I would say he's probably at this point. Not that we've seen a lot. Uh, I would put him in the caster under other. I mean. Uh, we saw it in episode four where he basically gets the ship fixed by getting all the droids to do it for him. He's the utility guy. He basically is filling the role that needs to be filled when it needs to be yeah. filled because he's recognizing, hey, this role needs to be filled. I've seen him take shots when he needs to take shots. He supports his guys. You know, if it's in physical combat, yeah. he's there. If it's in ranged combat, he's there. If it's get the ship fixed, he's there. Yeah. It's He's basically filling that. I'll do it all. I, I think you said the key word. I think rather than him, because I think it's pretty clear that Crosshair's the blaster. 
because of because he's got the ranged ability, right? Echo is most likely support. He's a support. He's the buffer at some point, right? He's the one that if you know if you need additional melee, he's the one that can go ahead. You know, because he has these electromagnetic abilities, he can go ahead and do that. Uh, because he, you know, he basically just ha- carries a hand pistol, so it's not like it's not like he's doing significant damage. But he's the one that can kind of be where you need someone to be to help that other person be better. So he's sort of like this. Yeah, he's sort of this mix between like the wheel man vehicle support and like melee support range support like kind of in that neighborhood yeah i think that that's very much uh uh that that's very much where 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 he slots in there so all right now we uh we've covered have we covered everybody did we miss anybody I think we got a few folks left to go. Well, let's see where do so you you put Wrecker as the as the intimidator. I actually really liked your idea about uh, uh, Wrecker as the tank caretaker. I think that that's because he does kind of have this specifically about Omega. He has this sort of sensitive side that she she hey, has like don't don't hurt the kid exactly don't, don't, right don't scare the kid yeah. and and how and how he made sure to go ahead and make her uh her own little bedroom inside the ship and I, you know that that. To that big ted, teddy bear sort of tank again. That's that's not a role that you see a lot of. I'm sure that there are other ones. I just can't think of them right now. But that's you know. Well, uh, I think you're right, and I I put him there based on what I saw in episode one. We're now in episode. Four, oh, he's certainly intimidating. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, record yeah. record is a scary. Yeah. He showed it right in that episode. Uh, you know, he showed it in every episode on, on some level. But at the end of the day, uh, what's core to his character? Who is he when the when you're not in the combat? Exactly, mode? exactly. Yep. You know, uh, who is he when it's just the team? And and I think in that role he quickly falls because he doesn't ever threaten his team. Even Crosshair, he wasn't like mad at him. Yep. He wasn't I'll beat his ass or whatever. Yeah. It was. What is he doing? Was that he was shooting at us? Yeah. He was hurt. <laughs> he was hurt. Yeah. Uh, on a, on a deep emotional level. He, that bothered him yeah. uh, more than that physically hurt him or made him angry. I would say, I actually, haven't seen him angry. Actually, yeah, I think he's he has been directive. He has been action oriented. But I'm trying to think. Like, did you ever see him like really lose his? Uh, no, I don't think so. And I mean, that's really that. And you're right. Wrecker sort of he is loyal to his team, like to a fault. You know, he's he's kind of the squad puppy dog, unfortunately, who is gonna like he's gonna get hurt in situations like that. It's like, well, why is Crosshair firing at us? That doesn't that doesn't make any sense again because of that, you know, intelligence for barbarian, right? Unfortunately, Wrecker's not smart enough to understand what's going on. Um, he's kind of the he's kind of the puppy dog, right? You know, I think that that's kind of where you know I think that's kind of where the caretaker role uh, comes up is that and you know, and Trumps actually yeah. Uh, though Crosshair better be wary because if Crosshair decides to then turn on one of the other team members, Wrecker will be very clear in his indignation. Re- Wrecker is going to be very cross about that. Yeah. <laughs> and that's I mean, that's when you're going to see his intimidator role come out. <laughs> Wrecker is not the subtle member of this team. <laughs> no, he's if the bull in the china wants, shop, yeah. Yeah, if he wants something bad enough, he's going to get it or he's going to let you know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he, he likes blowing things up uh, way too much to go ahead and not blow up Crosshair if Crosshair makes him mad. So that's, you know, um, and I think that I wonder if that's kind of how they're going to play the season. I wonder if at some point we're going to see Wrecker, like, like you know, he basically go all hunk, like, oh, I'm angry. You're not going to like me when I'm angry. You know, like one of those kind of moments where it's like Wrecker just kind of like loses control and loses the ability to go ahead and, and uh, rein himself in, right? Because like they are, they're already kind of hinting at that at that possibility where it's like, it's like, oh, he's about to go too far, but oh, we can, we can get him back. We can pull him back from the edge. He's not going to go full feral Wrecker at that point. But, you know, I wonder if at some point I, and, and Crosshair kind of double crossing the, or triple crossing, whatever we're up to now, the, the, the actual the actual uh troop uh i can see i can see being the thing that does that so oh yeah oh yeah definitely yep what about omega so we kind of talked about her a little bit and we're gonna call her part of the bad batch at this point because her she's on the show and i don't know that we necessarily know enough about her she seems to have healing abilities what where would we where would we slot her how would we put her in there i would say at this point counsel to the leader though she's probably not aware she's actively doing it. yep and and the counsel to the whole team 
She's she's their moral compass, yeah. Right. I would say she doesn't have a mechanical role yet because we haven't really seen it, though she jumped in at one point to do something. I'm living for the moment that they give her some armor. Like, if they put her in some Bad Batch-styled uh, clone armor, yep. I will be happy as F. Yeah. That'll be a brilliant moment in this yeah. show. I really hope they do that. I hope it's earned. I don't want them to start next episode with it, right? I want it to be a progression. Uh, that would be a fantastic season ender, by the way. Yep, yep. Uh, she's had this arc. She's with the team. They've taught her to do something. Ever walk out in armor, yeah. Maybe it's not fire weapon. Maybe whatever her role is, she's going to be on or whatever. But have her walk out and stand, stand toe-to-heel with the team. Yeah. You know, I think there's a lot of great room there. So I wouldn't give her a mechanical role at this yeah. point, but I would certainly put her in the counselor role. Yep, I think that that, that makes a lot of sense. And so, because I mean, she's definitely, like I said, she's shown she's shown some healing ability, some like weird like healing ability. To, if nothing else, to go ahead and kind of mental, like you said, as a counselor to the rest of the team, as their moral compass, healing their hearts and minds more than anything else, right? And then, but beyond that, she's also got some mobility type thing, like in the episode where they're trying to escape off the planet, was it episode three, I think it was, uh, where they're trying to escape off the planet and how she's, you know, she's kind of like running back and forth and she's doing the thing and then she's, you know, you know, and she's sneaky enough to even not make them realize that she has stowed away on the, on the ship and, you know, all that sort of stuff, right? So she's definitely sneaky, whether that makes her necessarily like a mobility operator or anything like that. I, I suspect that we'll probably see her again in kind of like a support role where, you know, she's 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 buffing them or keeping them up while they're fighting, you know, um, but not really picking up a weapon herself. And I think definitely, uh, again, as the as the moral fiber of the party, you know, she's very much in kind of that counselor role. Okay, so let's uh, let's just kind of review here. I know we didn't. Uh, this is this is a, this is a shorter episode, but given the fact that we've <laughs> that we've we've been launching some uh, we've been launching some big boys over at at, uh, at everybody out there listening, I think probably a, a smaller bubblegum episode is probably well deserved uh, for everyone that has uh, has listened to some of us go through here. So let's uh, let's go through here. So again, in terms of their mechanical and social role, uh, so wrecker we put in as a tank and caretaker, hunter we put in as the uh, mobility operator and the face of the party for the healer we put tech uh, on there and put tech as he as healer planner which again is a, is a strange combination that's not one that you see uh you see very often in fact i'm, I'm trying to think of another one that kind of fits into that role and I'm, I'm having trouble doing one so yeah understand there's a little finesse here mm-hmm. we were effectively putting together a list that's for D. and we're taking a future sci-fi sci-fi fantasy property and kind of twisting it, bending it, shaping it to fit a 5e mold. But the idea behind this is you can take these characters and put them at your, these character types and styles and build, uh, come up with a character build that matches this. There's a lineage, a class, and a subclass that will get you to the D&D 5e equivalent of each of these things. And if you're playing an Eberron... This is a great Eberron party, absolutely, yeah. This is all damn near a perfect Admiral Party. By the way, Tech is a Warforged. I'm just saying. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, he's a cyborg. Or, so, yeah, of course he is. Or, yeah. or, or a Reborn. Uh, yeah, I can see either one. Because, uh, I mean, you can you can be a... Um, so, the Reborn have kind of both sides, right? They have um, their, uh, their kind of, like, post-undead uh, Reborn side. But they also have... There's, you could be a Construct and be a Reborn. So, I think... Uh, that that would work also, um, especially the way that he became a cyborg. Having not watched the Clone Wars, I'm not going to spoil that for you. But yeah, like watch the Clone Wars, and then you'll see why I'm saying that as a construct reborn. That makes a lot of sense to me. Um, and just a point, actually, we put Crosshair as the vehicle, as the wheelman. It's more the ace. Okay. Oh, that's interesting. Okay. See, because I, I was thinking, I was thinking. So Crosshair definitely as the blaster, right? As the as the distant sniper, absolutely perfect. Lee Winnick, you slotted him as an ace. I was wondering more if he fits into the, the intimidator role because, again, he's kind of got that that kind of demeanor about him. So I think either one of those is a perfect option for him, though. Yeah. I, and I agree with you, and I thought about that for about half a second, yeah. and I thought back to people I've known in my life who were snipers in their military career. Yep. And while they can be intimidating if you know what they did or do yeah. and what their skill set is, Generally speaking, speaking, and certainly in the fiction that I've read and watched, look at Clear and Present Danger for uh, uh, Tom Clancy's Clear and Present Danger with Harrison Ford and 
William Defoe, you'll find that your snipers are not intimidating as a character trait. They are intimidating if you know what they do or if they're making their presence known. Look at phone booths. Yeah, um, fair. You know, yep. that, that's very intimidating. But they are generally fairly unassuming. And so I felt that he was more in the ace. He is exceptionally well-known, exceptionally good at this one task. And that is a hallmark of every sniper I've ever known in my yep. life. Yep. Okay, that's fine. And then uh, lastly, we took Echo and we put him in as either the melee support or range support. I think that's that's sort of situational. Um, but then also very much kind of the wheelman. He's the one that is responsible for the vehicle. He's the one that's fixing the vehicle. You know, so it's like, yeah, there, there are two wheelmen in this party, but I don't think that that's necessarily a bad thing. They are flying through space. So having two wheelmen that can go ahead and make sure that the, uh, that the, um, the, ship stays together is not necessarily a bad thing so well you need to and uh with a role with a with a game that is or setting that is more future and futuristic in sci-fi fantasy you're going to have more technical type of roles yeah. so having two wheelmen in this party would make sense in a 5e party it would make less sense yep. because there aren't that many things unless you're running a very airship heavy or ship heavy kind of experience vehicular transport is pretty rare in 5e yeah right so less of an issue and less of a need but in that role we're talking ace which is you know who's who's the top of kind the of the, kind of the equipment guy right um and then uh lastly we can we counted omega in this also uh because uh i think it's pretty clear that she's going to become uh, a bigger part of the bad batch uh throughout the rest of the season um and we said that she's definitely kind of the moral fiber of the party which puts her kind of into the counselor to the leader type role um but unknown kind of what her mechanical role is going to be uh you know she's had some healing abilities she's showing some sneaky stuff um, um, but I think that how her mechanic, I think there will be some point, you know, I mean, she's capable with a blaster. So, I mean, she can, she can pick up and fight. She has some, but she doesn't have any combat experience. So, you know, I, I think that that's going to be something that happens throughout the year. Yeah. Here's the deal. She's a clone. Whether she has experience and training won't matter. She will have natural abilities behind a blaster yep. or in a combat yep. scenario. Nothing for nothing. Episode four she was on the run from Fennec yeah. and stayed ahead of her for most of it. She got caught because of her inexperience, but she held her own. And when the chips were down, she acted and, and, you know, Hey, other people did a few things, but she's the one that put Fennec on her ass. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I think, and so I think that that's pretty compelling evidence that we might be seeing another mobility operator in the group here um, to go ahead and kind of, you know, and she gets paired with Hunter a lot too. So that's kind of a really natural combination for them both to kind of be in that range, ranger, rogue type, uh, type uh, spectrum there. Um, you know, and just to kind of put it in perspective here, who, who do we already have on the list here as a mobility and uh, as a mo mobility operator that is the counselor to the leader? That's Michael Garibaldi. And I think that there's a really interesting parallel between the roles that Omega is playing and, and Garibaldi. So, all right. So, parting thoughts on Bad Batch. Like, uh, uh, let's, let's, we, we purposely didn't go into what's going on in each episode. We're going to save that for our. Our Save season for the end, yeah. We talked about things situationally that were important, but uh, thoughts thus far, Josh? What do you think? Yeah, so I think that this is a fantastic pickup series to where the Clone Wars left off. And I think that even they acknowledge that, that this that this series emerged from where the Clone Wars went. We saw the, we saw the, the Bad Batch in, in four or five episodes of the Clone Wars, um, and then it sp spun off into this direction, and that this episode begins where the last episode of Clone Wars ends, and that's with Order 66. Um, and so I really loved the way that they built that connectivity. I loved the way that they built that continuity. Um, I thought that that was really, really well done. You talked about that at the beginning of the episode. Um, and honestly, I cannot wait to see what's next. One of the things that I loved most about the Clone Wars, uh, and one of the things that I want to go ahead and talk about when we get to the, uh, the episode at the end there, is how well a recurring Star Wars series builds bad guys, right? Builds situational bad guys that they're only, even if they're only there for that 30 or 45 minutes or however long that episode is, they, it is so 
smartly written uh, about how bad guys come in and how they affect the party and everything like that. We saw it in the Mandalorian, right? Remember in the Mandalorian when he winds up on the ice planet um, and it's like, Oh crap, my, my ship's broken. Like this is bad. I'm in the middle of a, of an, of an asteroid, right? With the frog lady and how she finds someplace warm to go because she has to. And then all of a sudden you realize that <laughs> the entire cavern is just flooded with like gigantic spiders. Um, like those kind of moments are what we see from a Star Wars product, this series this series has been no exception so far. They've done a really nice job of managing the intra episode con- uh, continuity within the arc of the season, and each how each episode has its own kind of challenge and drama, but still supports the arc itself. Fabulously done. Yes, yes, and uh, I would say uh, I would echo those thoughts. Uh, no pun intended, uh, but I. I I would go a little further and just say, I, as somebody who absolutely loved Rebels, like near and dear to my heart, loved Rebels, uh, loved this animation style. Just, it's beautiful to watch. It's a gorgeous series to watch. Strictly speaking, just the animation alone is worth watching. Sound off, watch the animation. It's enjoyable. Uh, add the sound, add the story, add all these things. You get these great Star Wars themes uh, and Star Wars-esque themes and uh, and theme musics, uh, and you've got a really compelling show. Uh, it is absolutely a joy to watch. It is fun to watch. You know, uh, we are blessed with a ludicrous sum of great geek TV and movies yep. uh, in recent history. Uh, we have yet to have to review something that was terrible <laughs> or that we didn't like simply because as members of the geek hobby, it, it's the latest geek thing. So we have to watch it. There's always something good to watch. It's why we had to wait till episode four. Cause there's always something good to watch right now. Uh, we stayed away from the one thing that came out in recent history because none of us really dug it that much. And we didn't do a review justice league. Oh yeah. 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 Uh, I could go on at great length about that. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm not going to. This is not that podcast. <laughs> That's right. This is the point in the podcast where I disagree with myself. Yeah, yeah. I should not have said yeah, we, um, <laughs> we, we, we did do that episode so hard, I forgot that there was even a potential to, to do the episode. So that was... Yeah. yeah. That was on the notes until we... Un, until, until we watched it. <laughs> Until it was like four hours? <laughs> we ain't doing that. <laughs> and I, I bit the bullet. I watched the first hour and said, we're not doing that. <laughs> Your sacrifice is noted, my friend. Yeah, your sacrifice is noted. I do appreciate that. Yeah, a week later, I watched the second hour. I said, we're really not doing <laughs> Yeah, that, that is two more hours than I've watched. So, yeah, I agree. Uh the anime, I, I agree with everything you said. The animation on the show is fantastic. The plot, the writing is fantastic. It is a worthy Star Wars animated series in the line with Clone Wars and with with Rebels. It's fabulous. It is. It it has picked up the torch. It's carrying it. I can't wait to go ahead and see kind of how this uh, how this season wraps up. I can't wait to see what happens with Omega. Honestly, like I really am interested to see. I, I I've got to think that somehow Omega is going to be tied to either the redemption of or dispatching of Crosshair uh, as this as this season goes on. There's got to be some connection there, or Ooh. or is Crosshair going to kill Omega and that's what sets off Wrecker or something like that? Like there's going to be some connection there. Is this the universe or is it a what if universe where they finally dispatch Crosshair and Omega becomes the new sniper for the team? I mean, yeah, not no. Not no. That's probably a what if universe. <laughs> I'm saying it is highly unlikely yeah. Disney's going to make a kid a sniper. Yep. That is highly unlikely. I mean, you know, they've done Stranger Things, but, right? But if they advance the age yep. between seasons, maybe she's an adult by the time she is. Just saying, there's ways. For all those who are who have played the Star Wars tabletop games in all their various iterations uh, and modern ones as well, I would say there's something really cool about Bad Batch. Of all the parts of the Star Wars timeline that I th- have always thought would be fun to play in, this is the one. It is between the end of the Clone Wars and the start of New Hope that, to me, was the best time to play in the Star Wars universe that time frame that's inhabited by Solo the movie, that's inhabited by Rogue One, 
that's inhabited by rebels, that's inhabited by now the Bad Batch. This is the moment. This is the moment where Star the universe is ripe. There's all the, the bad guys are it's not chaos. Interested. Yeah, it's it's chaos. The armies are moving. This is where stories and legends can be formed at the game table. And I love this kind of universe. So if you're playing a Star Wars tabletop game, uh, this is a great time. Uh, there doesn't have to just be 99. If they made one bad batch, there could be another. Don't call it the same thing. That's weak. But <laughs> other defective clones are useful tales. It could have been a clone that got injured bad enough so the chip was physically damaged. Uh, and, and so now they didn't follow the order. There's there's merit in this story, and these, this story has legs that can carry to your table. Yep, totally agree. Fantastic closing words, my friend. Uh, yeah, here we are. So watch The Bad Batch, and if uh, watch, listen to us in a few weeks, in 10 weeks' time or so, to go ahead and see if, uh, if any of these predictions come true. We'll see. Absolutely, please. And we'll talk to you again. Thank you for joining us. This has been Tabletop Journeys. We would love to hear your feedback on our show today. You can join us at www.ttjourneys.com, where you can subscribe to the blog to leave comments and see all the content that we publish beyond the podcast. And make sure you join our growing online community. You can follow us on Twitter at TT Journeys and join us on Facebook just by searching Tabletop Journeys there. You can also reach us by email at podcast at ttjourneys.com. And if you want to catch early access to our episodes and some of the other benefits we have coming down the pipeline, you can also support our production at patreon.com slash ttjourneys. If you're listening to us on Stitcher, iTunes, Podchaser, Spotify, Audible, or any other podcast platform, we would really appreciate if you would like and subscribe to the podcast. Full episodes come out every week on Saturdays and every Wednesdays. We'll feature our SideQuest series where we talk about pretty much anything tabletop oriented. Thank you all so much for listening and for being a part of our growing community. And in the words of another traveler on our path, we bid you shade and sweet water.